0: Welcome to the Truth About Taxes and Retirement. This podcast is brought to you by SavingYouTaxes.com and hosted by Jay Barry Watts. As an advanced tax strategist and enrolled agent federally licensed by the IRS, Barry is uniquely qualified to go deeper into the Internal Revenue Code than most accountants. He understands and interprets its provisions explaining how they'll help you reduce income taxes you owe so you can direct that previously wasted tax money into tax-free accounts that you can enjoy in your retirement years. Now, on today's episode...
1: Have you ever wondered exactly what a good financial advisor is supposed to do for you? In fact, do you have a financial advisor or a stockbroker, a financial advisor or an insurance agent? Do you even know the difference? When someone says they are a financial advisor, who gave them that title, huh? well today on the truth about taxes and retirement our host j barry watts a 27 year veteran of the financial industry unpacks some of the gobbledygook about the initials and titles used in the financial services world and he'll share with you the five things that highly effective advisors do for their retired clients listen carefully compare to what your advisor is doing or maybe isn't doing for you and then ask yourself Don't you deserve help from a highly effective, qualified, credentialed financial advisor? We'll show you how to find one on this edition of The Truth About Taxes and Retirement.
2: Welcome to the podcast. I am Barry Watts, retirement designer with wealth care and tax strategist at American Tax Strategies, found on the web at www.savingyoutaxes.com. And today I'm going to peel back the curtain and give you some tips on what you should expect from and look for from anyone who would purport to give you financial advice. But first, this.
1: No, Barry, wait a minute. Before we go further, please, please. You you piqued our curiosity last time around. You told us about Larry. Come on, Larry the donkey was sick. (laughs) How's the boy doing? Don't don't leave us. Uh,
2: so you want to farm st- story first? Uh, I, su- I, I can- care. <laughs> I care. Well, about uh, I, I'm sure Larry would appreciate knowing you're concerned about him. Uh, by the way, my donkey is named Larry. For those who maybe didn't catch the last podcast and don't know the story, I, I actually wanted to name him Quixote, you know, Donkey Quixote. I thought that would be funny.
1: <laughs> hey, th- hey, thanks. That's about as funny as it gets. Well,
2: Anyway, I, I thought it'd be funny to name him Don Quixote, but there's probably no one who lives out in the rural part of Missouri that I do who understands what Don <laughs> Quixote is all about. I uh, wouldn't understand the name. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe I underestimate him. So, so, so tell
1: me what what happened.
2: Anyway, here's the story with Larry. He died. It was a sad day last Friday. In fact, my wife actually cried. We went to the barn that morning, and there Larry lay half in the barn and half outside. He literally died with the threshold of the door in his ribs.
1: All right. I admit I am not a farm girl. I know what happens when a dog or a cat dies, but what do you do with an animal that big? Do you call 911? Do you call
2: an undertaker? Please do tell. Well, if you'd read Facebook, uh, and I happen to, because I am a farmer, and that's another part of my life that I enjoy when I'm not here at the office dealing with taxes and retirement strategy and Wall Street kinds of things, I, I totally take on another persona and go to the farm and enjoy that. Uh, and and the Facebook uh, pages that I happen to see, people ask those exact kind of questions, although they're serious about it. Uh, and, and of course, instead of calling them their cow or their donkey, they call them their fur babies. Oh, well, um, yes, I identify anyway. with that. Yeah, see, I don't. It's a dog. Okay, it's a cat. So here's the deal on the farm, I am 911. I'm the doctor, the coroner, the undertaker. Mm. Uh, Different jurisdictions have different laws about dead animals, animals that die on the farm and what you have to do with them. And in some places, it's kind of picky. In Missouri, it's not very picky, but uh, sometimes they're buried. Um, Some farms keep a big pile of sawdust. And if you've ever seen a big pile of sawdust outside of a sawmill, uh, you may notice that it's constantly smoking. It's decomposing. You can see the heat coming off of that as the sawdust gets wet. Um, and so, actually, one of the uh, protocols that comes out of the universities is that you take dead animals and you bury them in that pile of sawdust, and you can come back a couple of weeks later, and even their bones will be gone. They literally melted away into the moldering sawdust. Uh, so it's really an interesting uh, methodology of uh, taking care of disposing of uh, dead animals. I suppose it would work with um, uh, work with people too if you a were a mobster. sawdust so.
1: sitting around, huh?
2: That. Well, that's I don't keep one sitting around. We use the Viking approach. Uh, we decided we were going to cremate. it. Right. So here's what All I right. did. You know, want to want the story? It's not a it's not necessarily a pleasant story, but I'll share it briefly. So I dragged his body out of the barn because I couldn't get to it. You know, so I, I had to put a chain around his legs, drag him out of the barn, and then get him out where I could scoop him up into the front bucket on my tractor, and I drove it to a huge pile of timber that we've had on the farm for a couple of years. And I very carefully placed Larry's body way up high, probably 12 or 15 feet uh, up high, just to, uh, to have him where I could light him up. So, now it's time for the fire. So, I went to the barn. I got five gallons of diesel fuel, and I poured it on the base of the brush pile, and I lit it up, and it started to burn, and it burned, and then it started to fade, and here's what I discovered. Uh, apparently, the atmosphere of the ground, the trees in this pile were not as dry as I thought they were because the fire went out. Oh, no. So so now I've got a big brush pile with a dead donkey on top of it. Now, fortunately, it's far enough away from the house that you can't see it from the road. Uh, by the way, Patrice, do you know why God invented buzzards?
1: Uh, I actually love vultures, turkey vultures and whatnot. Oh.
2: And they are interesting, they are, but they're doggone ugly. They're, but they're, I saw I saw a deal once at Grant's Farm in St. Louis, and they they did a display on on these animals and flew them around and told you all about them. It was really cool. They're cool creatures that God created, and I think that's one of the magnificent things in the universe is about how everything has its purpose and it works so well together. And in this case, the reason God created vultures is in case your fire goes up. <laughs> so at this point we don't have any choice but to let nature run its course and that's the end of the story about larry the donkey aren't you kind of sorry you Oh, the poor boy but
1: uh you're gonna get another one
2: yeah we actually have another one his name is luther luther and there's yeah so luther's without his partner now but he's got a couple of horses he runs with so we had larry and we had luther all right all right well and then maybe there will be a story come up about that. So where were we? What are um, we talking um, about? Is this
1: a farm five, podcast? Five, or? Or? The five habits of highly effective advisors to retirees. But this is very effective right here. You're identifying with your retirees.
2: Larry. Larry the retiree. Well, I don't, I don't I don't, I don't even want to go there. So <laughs> our topic today is the five habits of highly effective advisors to retirees. Now, there may be more than five habits, and who knows, I may do another podcast and have another five habits, but I want to talk to you about these five habits today. And so here are the five things that an effective advisor ought to be doing. First of all, they do cash flow planning. Some people call it income planning, but they do cash flow planning for every year that you're going to be in retirement. Now, around our practice, that is to age 100. So, if you're retiring today at 65, we're going to plan your income for every year until you are age 100. So, that's going to be 35 lines of numbers. One line representing each year to see what your income is going to look like each year going forward.
1: Now, that's income, as you said. That's no, not spending. This income. is income.
2: Okay. No, no. Well, well, forgive me. No, it really is spending um, because what we're trying to do is plan your income to match your spending. It. So it kind of all comes together here. here. Here's where we start. We ask this question How much monthly income do you need to spend after tax in order to meet your monthly lifestyle needs? That's a pretty simple question. How much money does it take? And I'm amazed at how many people preparing for retirement. I mean, on the cusp of it, like I'm retiring next week. So, well, I don't know. Uh Really? You're about to step off the ledge into retirement and you haven't thought about how much you're going to spend each month. That's just incredible to me. You must know that number. This is not optional. And so sometimes they'll even look at me and say, well, what do you think? (laughs) Dude, I don't know you. I don't know your life. I don't know if you eat steak or spam. I don't know what kind of car you drive. I don't know what your expectations are, where you're going to travel to. You're the person who has to know all these kinds of things. And so once you know that number, then here's some other things that you have to consider. Every few years, you're going to need to buy a car. So we either need to add another uh, line to our budget planning, income planning for, let's say, every five years or so and plug in 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or $80,000 to buy a new car, or maybe we take whatever the amount is and we divide that out uh, and we just add that to the monthly amount. So we make sure we've got enough budget each month to get you in a new car when the time comes. And and then there's something else that comes up uh, that might surprise you. It's hearing aids and teeth. Uh, the number one reason that people usually call our office and ask for extra money to be deposited, extra money, I said, to be deposited into their account is they've got a $10,000 dentist I believe bill. it. Um, well, there you go. And you know, as we as we age, that's one of the things that happen. Your teeth just begin to break and fall out. Uh, by the way, in the cattle industry, a cow who's lost all of her teeth is called broken mouthed. It's just amazing the things you can learn on the truth about taxes and retirement. So, <laughs> the sad news is we kind of become broken mouthed too, and uh, we've got to have these things fixed. And it costs a lot of money to get an entire new set of teeth and to have the dentist do all the things he does. Um, and so we need to set aside enough money that every five years or so we can pay a big dentist bill, or maybe, maybe we set it aside every month or, or something like that. Um, because as you get older, teeth are going to wear out and they're going to crumble and you won't hear yourself slurping and choking on your food because you can't hear any longer. You need hearing what? aids, what? same thing. <laughs> hearing aids are like, you know, I don't know, six, 7,000 bucks for the real top of the line. Ones. So the point, Patrice, is these are the things that we have to think about. And we have to be sure these things are added in there. And people just kind of tend to gloss over and say, oh, well, don't worry about it. It's in the number. You know, really, if you have teeth and hearing aids in the same year, that could be upwards of $20,000. Is it really in the number? And if you add a car to that in one year, that could be another $50,000. So now we're at $70,000 over for that year. So the point is, we've got to think about that. Now, all you have to do is agree and come up with a number. We do all the math. That's our job. And when we nail down how much you're going to spend each month and we know what it's going to look like, well, then we do a couple of things. Number one, we put an inflation factor on it, and then we multiply it every year for the next 35 years to age 100. So we know what your income target has to be, what your spending budget is every year for the rest of your life in today's dollars. Now, here's an interesting fact for you, Patrice. I just heard yesterday that the inflation numbers had come out and the cost of living this year is 6% greater than it was the same time last year. So think about it. Over four years, if that number held, over four years, that means your cost of living would be 24% higher. And so we're gonna talk about inflation a little more later in the podcast. We've got a piece that we do on that particular topic. But once we've adjusted for inflation, we've got a real budget number and that's when we really start doing the math. So we take your budget number and we subtract the amount that you're going to receive from social security net after taxes, the amount you receive from your pension net after taxes and any other sources, you know, you've got a rental house or your family trust sends you money every month from when your parents died or something like that. Once we subtract, uh, subtract all those things from your budget number, well, then we know how much you need to withdraw each month from your retirement and savings accounts And those accounts, of course, are going to be hopefully growing every year because they're invested. And so what we can do is we can test those withdrawals over 35 years and figure out whether you've got enough money to retire at the lifestyle you said you want to spend the money you said you wanted to spend and still have enough income to last you till age 100. Are you going to run out at age 78 or 82 or whatever age? So, Patrice, you do know what the last thing you want to say in retirement is. You want
1: fries with that? Yeah.
2: Would you like to make it a combo? What size drink do you want? Welcome to Walmart. So the first habit of highly effective advisors to retirees is they do cash flow planning for every year you're going to be in retirement. And that is a baseline expectation. Most advisors feel like they don't get paid for that. And so they don't do that kind of work. Some of them, I would say, don't even know how to do that kind of work. Uh, they just want to manage your money in charge a fee for doing that. Uh, but uh, a highly effective advisor is really going to step into your cash flow and begin speaking to that part of your life as well. Now, there is a second habit. The second habit of highly effective advisors to retirees is they do strategic tax planning. Patrice, I end every podcast by saying what? Do you remember? Of course I
1: remember. If you don't get the taxes right, nothing else matters.
2: That's exactly right. So, If your advisor isn't talking taxes, he or she is committing malpractice. But you know, the big firms, those that are on every street corner, whose names you recognize, you see them in all the TV advertising, they tell you to follow the yellow-green line or whatever it is. All of those firms prohibit their advisors from giving tax advice. Literally, they prohibit it. And it's probably a good thing because the advisors, for the most part, don't know very much about taxes. The industry doesn't teach about that. One thing that they will talk about is what they call tax loss harvesting. So they'll say, yeah, we'll give you tax advice. We're going to talk about tax loss harvesting. You know what that is? It's simply looking at your account, seeing how much you've made that year and what you're going to have to pay taxes, and then hoping you've got losses somewhere in your account so you can sell those losses to offset the gains and end the year at zero. No gains, no losses. Does that really sound like strategic tax planning to you? No, I'd rather be looking
1: at making rather than losses.
2: Just last week, I had a guy come in, just sold his business, He got about 2 million bucks, And uh, he told me, I've talked to like five different people and uh, I can't get any help on these taxes. And kind of all they said is, well, we'll do some tax loss harvesting for you. Eh, That's the wrong person. That's not who you're going to need to work with because they don't know anything about strategic tax planning. Now, when I talk about strategic tax planning, here's what I'm talking about. Understanding that, first of all, there are three kinds of money. Taxable money. Think of them as buckets. There's a taxable bucket, a tax-deferred bucket, and a tax-free bucket. And I'm talking then about understanding the types of accounts that go into those three categories and ultimately how to get money from the taxable and the tax-deferred account all the way down the line to the tax-free account. When I talk about strategic tax planning, I'm talking about taking a deduction to pay your children to work in your business and then arranging it so the children don't have to pay any tax on the money you paid them. I'm talking about taking six-figure tax deductions for enterprise risk management plans. I'm talking about a tax-free LERP account and Roth conversions and the mega backdoor Roth strategy and about family endowment plans where you can deduct the entire amount of your personal income this year. Here's a funny story I'm mentioning family endowment plans. I had a call this week from a guy in Arizona, I believe is where he was. And um He was a physician actually in Arizona. And he said, I just bought a new Tesla. And somehow your podcast was programmed to come on in my new Tesla. And so he said, I heard your podcast and it's really pretty interesting. And I want to talk about tax savings. So I don't know what we did there. God bless Elon Musk or whoever made it happen. But apparently when you buy a new Tesla, you get a free subscription to the truth about taxes and retirement. Awesome! That is fantastic. It was was a pretty neat thing. Here's here's the deal. When we talk about tax strategy, you got to realize, Patrice, 98% of CPAs can't do this work. They are accountants, record keepers and historians. They're not tax strategists. In fact, just last week, I told my CPA about a way that the owner of a C-corp can sell their business, never pay a diamond tax on the sale of the business. And he looked at me like a calf staring at a new gate. <laughs> you know what that means? Well, we have a saying here on the farm, and I just said it. He looked like a calf staring at a new gate. So when you go out on the farm to build some fence or replace a, new, replace a gate or something like that, and you start doing your work, the cattle all come and stand around in a circle. And they just watch you. And some of them, if they get really curious, they'll come up and start sniffing around on your tools and messing in the back of your your farm utility vehicle because they're hoping to sniff out some feed or something like that, you know. But the, the point is when you put something new in the pasture, they all come stand at it and just look at you with that blank face like, what in the world is that? So if you're CPA, has that calf staring at a new gate look in his eyes, then don't let them work as your financial advisor. You need to understand they're really just a tax preparer. So here's the point. If your advisor is not doing tax planning, dump them. Dump them. Because strategic tax planning is required if anyone holds them out to be a highly effective advisor to retirees.
1: I will say it again at the end of this podcast, but I want to remind listeners, you have done podcasts on all these topics. All they need to do is subscribe, follow, go back and find them all.
2: That would be perfect if they would do that, because then they would learn about the third habit of highly effective advisors to retirees, which is de-risking your portfolio. Now, we humans have really short memories, and the stock market has done so well for so long that we've forgotten what it was like in 2000 and 2001 and 2002 and 2008. We've forgotten that the stock market can go down. The day traders have crawled out of the swamp. Everybody is a stock picker these days because they bought one tech stock and it shot the moon. And so suddenly they're an expert and they look at a guy like me who's been helping people retire for 27 years and managing the risk side of retirement. And they're upset that their account only earned 15% this year when everybody knows the stock market did 20%. Well, let me just ask you this question. Is your goal in retirement keeping up with the stock market? Is that what you want? I want to keep up with the stock market. I don't think that's probably why you retire so you can beat the market. I think instead your goal is to have an income that lasts every year for the rest of your life and supports your lifestyle, and maybe that leaves a legacy for the people that you love and care about. So here's the deal. You need to remember this. Gravity has not been repealed. Trees (laughs) don't grow to the sky. What goes up will someday come down. And the job of your advisor is to effectively protect you from down markets by buffering against the risk in your portfolio. When the market loses 40 or 50%, you don't want to do that. You want to lose zero if possible, or maybe five or eight or 10% at the most, but you do not want to fully participate in the market when it goes down. And we have some literally some alarms that go off in our office that are designed to indicate to us when the sentiment has changed and when it's time for us to sell certain things and move into other things in a proactive sort of way. And so your advisor needs to have a very specific plan and a process for how he or she will protect you by de-risking your portfolio because that is one of the five habits of highly effective advisors to retirees.
1: All right, you've gotten up to three. Give me number four.
2: Number four, make the lazy money wake up. I'm amazed at the number of people who have money sitting around and not working for them. They've worked all their lives hard in order to make money. And now instead of insisting that their money work hard for them, they allow it to be lazy. Now, sometimes it's just 20 or 30,000 extra sitting in a checking account. But sometimes it's 230,000 extra sitting oh, in savings no. or money market. No. So I've got three words for you. Just stop it. <laughs> make your money work for you. Jeez Louise. So here's the question. How much money should you keep in cash? Now, for most people, That's about six months worth of living expenses. So if you live on $100,000 per year, it's okay to keep $50,000 in cash or money market. Business owners might keep a little bit more because they're keeping money set aside for their business. Realize this, though. Some people choose not to keep that much, even set aside in cash, because they have got a home equity line of credit on their home. It's not, uh, they haven't barred anything against it, but it's there. So if they had a big emergency, they can just write a check and cover whatever it is, and then go deal with their investments to pay that particular line off. So there are lots of ways to think about this. but. For all that lazy money, I I just want to tell you something that I learned about just this week. In fact, there's a new product out there. I haven't had time to even look at it, uh, but I just saw the highlights of it. It's from one of the insurance carriers that's very highly rated. And this product is a highly liquid product, meaning you can get your money out of it. You can access your money anytime. It's a guaranteed product, so you can't lose your principal. And it has the potential for stock market index type performance, but it offers a guarantee that is multiple times what the banks are paying currently in terms of the earnings on it. So it's particularly built for people who had extra cash and who are needing to put that cash to work, but still kind of have it liquid. And this will work for retirees, for individuals, for business owners. So the point is don't let your money be lazy, make it work for you. And a vehicle that will give you growth and liquidity is kind of like having your cake and eating it too. So if your advisor isn't constantly asking you about how much cash you're sitting on and offering a tool to make that cash work for you while keeping it liquid, if that's what you need, then he or she is not practicing the five habits of highly effective advisors to retirees. And I would suggest that you need to think about whether or not you're getting the best fiduciary advice from them.
1: When we come to the end of this, remind me to ask you, how do you say goodbye to your Do
2: ask that question but because I'll give you some tips and I'll talk to you about how that works here in just a moment. So the fifth strategy that you need to work, that you need to have working for you, that a highly effective advisor to retirees should be implementing is this, a plan to address inflation. It just happened that about 28 days ago, Social Security handed out a cost of living adjustment and the amount of the cost of living adjustment was 5.9%. Now 28 days later the government released inflation data and the number is 6.2% from a year ago last year so so the inflation has gone up 6.2. There's a shortfall. There's a shortfall <laughs> well, I there. I heard a news article this morning about some uh, commentator who had written an article and said, oh, don't worry about it because inflation's up 6%, but the average person has gotten an increase in wages of 5%. So it's not a problem. It's all going to be taken care of. And I'm, you know, I'm just a little simpleton who, who kind of flunked college math. But the, the question is, wait, if costs go up 6% and my paycheck only goes up 5%, I think there's a 1% problem here. Uh, yeah. And do yeah. that for three or four or five or 10 years. And I think there begins to be a big problem. So my point is you got to watch people in the media like me, people in the media who are writing stuff and putting articles out there because a lot of them don't know beans from apple butter about what they're talking about. And, and the point is when inflation goes up 6.2% over a year, And the cost of living adjustment from social security is 5.9%. Well, it reminds me of that quote from Ronald Reagan, the nine most feared words in the English language. I'm from the government and I'm here to help you (laughs) because obviously, (laughs) obviously that, that cost of living adjustment of 5.9 in the face of 6.2% inflation doesn't work. So Here's the deal. Those new inflation numbers, they're the highest in 31 years. You have to go back to 1990 to find inflation higher than it is right now. So think about this for a moment. If you're earning 6% on your account, very modest rate, if you're earning 6% and you're in a combined state and federal tax bracket of 34%, after you pay the taxes on your 6%, you're really earning 3.96%. So if inflation is anything over 4%, your purchasing power is declining every day. You have less money next year than you had this year because inflation has eroded your purchasing power after taxes and after inflation. And so that's why your advisor must be doing cash flow planning that takes into consideration inflation. And that same advisor has to have a plan for how to deal with inflation. And so traditionally, that has meant investing in the stock market, but not necessarily anymore. We have new tools available that will give you market-like returns, allowing you to keep up with inflation, but without all the risk of the stock market. And we have ways of sorting and selecting stock market indices to take some of the fear and negative risk out of market investing while still allowing your money to grow at numbers that historically have beat inflation. So there they are, the five habits of highly effective advisors to retirees. Number one, cash flow planning. Number two strategic tax planning. Number three, de-risk your portfolio. Number four, make the lazy money wake up. Number five, have a plan to address inflation. And what I want to ask you, and it goes to the question that you asked earlier, uh, Patrice, in the podcast is, are you getting these five effective strategies from your advisor? If so, then good. You should send them a nice thank you card along with a bottle of wine. But if the answer is no, isn't it time that you looked for someone else, a fiduciary who maybe has your best interests at heart? And how do you say goodbye? There, there are different ways to do that. So sometimes uh, people say, "No worry, I'll call them and I'll have the conversation. They won't be surprised." Um, sometimes people say, oh, I don't want to talk to them. How can we do this another way? And we actually sometimes help them draft a letter that says, thank you so much for your service all these years, my situation has changed and I need a new set of skills that focus on, we usually talk about taxes because most advisors don't. And so I'm going to be moving my accounts and you'll see them showing up uh, elsewhere soon. They'll be departing. So just wanted to let you know, please don't call me and try to talk me out of it because that's what happens is then you get a phone call and boy, the pressure really comes on. So some people just call them and just matter of factly announce uh, how it's going to go. I mean, think about it. You are the boss. They work for you. So it's perfectly okay for you to say, you know, I don't feel like I'm getting quite what I need here and I'm looking for something else. And it's it's time for me to go. But I really appreciate you and thank you for what you've done. The simple fact, Patrice, is that, that there comes a time when many people outgrow their advisor they outgrow their advisor. The needs just become greater. And if that's where some of our listeners may find themselves today, well, then I'm happy to talk with them about what it's like to work with an advisor team that puts clients first. And so what I would say to them is pick up the phone and call us. You can find the phone number simply by going to the website, savingyoutaxes.com. And when you call, Uh, John or Nola or Eric or Phil or Herman or whoever answers the phone, just tell them, say, I'd like to talk with Barry because I need an effective fiduciary advisor who puts my needs first. And they'll schedule a time for us to talk and we'll explore together what you need and whether our tax strategy firm, American Tax Strategies LLC, or our registered investment advisory firm, Wealthcare, can serve you. That phone number, again, can be found at savingyoutaxes.com. Dot .com Until next time, I'm Barry Watts, reminding you that if you don't get the taxes and the income and the risk and the lazy money and the inflation right, nothing else matters. I'll see you soon on another edition of The Truth About Taxes and Retirement.
1: And here comes the legal stuff. Remember, past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investment involves risk. The opinions offered today are those of J. Barry Watts and not intended to replace consultation with your legal, tax, and financial advisors. Investment advisory services are offered through Wealthcare LLC Investment Advisors. Tax and Insurance Consulting is provided by American Tax Strategies LLC, found on the web at www.savingyoutaxes.com.
0: Thank you for listening to The Truth About Taxes and Retirement Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of savingyoutaxes.com. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional tax and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your own qualified advisor with any questions you may have regarding taxes and investing.